For the rest of you, if you would, please open to the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Genesis, chapter 3. Today's message is entitled, Your Thinking Heart, or My Thinking Heart. It's all about the, the way our heart works and how we should cooperate. We've been talking about the perception, illusion, and deception of control. This has been three years in the making for me um, as I process not only the pandemic, but the politics and, and the other things that have happened in our life, both personal and corporately. And I said, God, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting it. Uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, understanding this. I, I just really didn't have the right perception. And I found myself struggling with flesh and blood. I found myself blaming people and having an illusion that if I did things just right, if I prayed just right, that nothing bad would ever happen. And uh, I, I also bought into some deception that if I prayed hard enough, I could control the outcome. And uh, in the weeks to come, we're going to talk a lot about that controlling of the outcome thing. Because that's one of the, what's one of the biggest deceptions that any Christian can have is that, that you know better than God, therefore your outcome is best. And you can say, I got the outcome from God, but you have to look back in your life and say, there were times where I thought I got the outcome from God, and I didn't see the outcome that I thought God said. And then you can blame whoever you want, but, but remember, once you start blaming, you've left the realm of the Spirit. Once you start blaming, you've left the realm of the Spirit. One. Once you start blaming you leave the realm of the Spirit. Thank you. You cannot blame in the Spirit. You are blameless, the Bible says. Meaning you can't do that. It's not within your spiritual right. Amen. Pray with me, would you please? Father, in Jesus' name, just enrich us today. Enlighten us today by your Word. Show us by your Holy Spirit, Father, today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let me give you the four definitions. I gave them to you last week. I'm going to try and go slow. I know that some of what I'm introducing to you is not only painful, but difficult to process. Because we've been taught through, really through our tribe, through our group, that there were certain levels of control that we could have by doing things. In fact, in the midst of, of, of our belief in how God provides for us, there's been an offshoot of that that says, if you give a lot, you can get a lot. And we gave to get. Why? Because we wanted to control. I remember when God was teaching us about this, it was well more than 20 years ago, right before we came to this church, where, where we got a, a, a tax refund by mistake. And let me just give you a bit of wisdom. If you get a tax refund and you know it's a mistake, don't spend that money. Because eventually the right hand of the government will catch up with the left hand of the government and they will ask you for that money back, which is what happened to us. And so we got audited by the IRS. We owed them $967.13 or some crazy amount of money like that. And so we paid it, but we paid it in an office in Nebraska. And when they sent it in to Utah, to Ogden, Utah, Ogden, Utah didn't have the paperwork for why we owed them money. So they sent us the nicest letter back saying, we don't know why we have your money. Here it is back. And I, they cashed our check and gave us an IRS check, which we then in the 
point of time of buying a house decided that it would be just great for us since the house we were wanting to buy was $96,000 and we had $960. Come on, do the math with me. Put two more zeros on there. That's a hundredfold return. So if we give the 960 bucks away, God will give us $96,000 and we will buy this house. And what a testimony that will be for God. So we did a little Jericho march around the house. By the way, neighbors will think you're crazy if you do this. We're claiming that dude, you know, walking around and, 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 and hollering at God and doing all kinds of things. We gave the money away and, and uh, doggone it if the house didn't sell right out from underneath us. And IRS wanted their money back. Didn't get the outcome. So again, when, you, when, you, when you're processing with me, please don't take this personal. I'm not saying you're doing everything wrong, but I am saying that if you have an outcome that didn't happen, you need to kind of question where you got the desire from. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Here's the, here's the deal. So we talked about perception. Perception is just a way of regarding or understanding or interpreting something. It's just how you see something. Until you add the Holy Spirit, your perception is fleshly. It's just how you see it. When you add the Holy Spirit to that and follow the Holy Spirit, it becomes discernment. Okay, so how you see things gets interrupted by what the Holy Spirit does in you and you have a discernment in relationship to the circumstance that you're in. It'll guide you and direct you. But perception is just how we see things. The next one is called illusion. Illusion is a thing that is or is likely to be wrongly perceived by the senses. Now keep in mind that basically most of us believe the only way to process things is through our senses. So what we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we touch, what we feel. Now I want to tell you right now, your feelings are terrible at leading you. Terrible. They're the worst thing you could do because my feeling is right now, somebody didn't respond to the altar call this morning. Because I still have sweat running down my arms. I want to show you. You see, I don't know if you can see this in a gray shirt or not. Jeremy always gets wound up at me when I wear clothes that kind of match everything. But my, my, my shirt sleeves wet all the way to the collar, all the way to the, what do they call this? Cuff, thank you. All the way to the cuff. And so I've had to process a little bit because the illusion is I wouldn't have this if you would have responded. And so I kind of got attitude. Now I don't preach well with an attitude. And so I've been praying under my voice for you, whoever you are. Maybe you're online. Maybe everybody in here was perfectly obedient. Thank you very much. But if that was you, I've been praying for you under my voice this whole time in the spirit, inside my spirit, man. Just letting that roll around because I can't move forward without getting rid of that. Because, see, my emotions will lead me the wrong direction. And pretty soon I'll, I'll, I'll notice one of you. And you won't be paying attention as well as I think you should. And I'll say, well, they're not getting it. You understand, you getting it is God's responsibility, not mine. But when you start following your feelings, you start looking at people's faces. You start watching their body language. How many of you ever been in a situation where you notice two people talking across the room from you and you assumed they were talking about you? Huh. That's feelings. That's leading you. So that's the illusion. That's the illusion part of this. And then we came to the deception part. I evidently spoke too long, my machine shut off. The deception part is the act of causing someone to accept as true 
or valid what is false and invalid. And we talked about those three kinds of deception. When you refuse to believe what's true, when you believe something is true that isn't true, and when you think you know truth. There's three kinds of that, and we'll talk about that. You know, you'll, you'll hear this sprinkled in. And then the control is literally just the power to influence or direct events or people. Now notice it says direct events or people. We as a church, Big C, are notoriously bad at this because we want to control people. What we do is we come up with a definition of sin. By the way, we paint that behind us. Right? We're on the right side of, of sin, everybody else on the wrong side of the sin. And then we look down our spiritual noses at people, declaring for them to step over the line so they can be like us. Or you can't join our country club. That's how this works. And so the church has been doing that for thousands of years. And it's wrong. It's simply wrong. We cannot control the outcome of events or others you got one issue of control, and that is you give that control that you have to God. You're not controlling yourself either. The Bible says in James, the tongue is an unruly thing. What man can control it? Come on, how many ever had to try and grab your words as they were coming out of your mouth? You can't control it. You say all kinds of stupid stuff. You speak bad to the very people that you love. You've got to give your mouth to God. He says, sweet and sour shouldn't come out of the same spigot. Blessing and cursing shouldn't come out of the same, the same spigot. You've got to give control to God. Most people think, well, I'm just going to get in control of myself. Well, good luck with that. Because you will make up your own rules when you don't like the rules that God gives you. Last week, we talked about these definitions, and we read Genesis chapter 3. <coughs> Pardon me. I'm just going to take you through it again. And I know you say, you taught us this last week. Somebody wasn't here last week. We've got to bring them up to speed. Now the serpent was more cunning, verse 1, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? This is the first issue in understanding. It happens throughout history where the enemy or society will actually say to you, did God actually say that? And, and you'll have to make a decision. In chapter, in verse number two, the woman gave and then added to. That's the third thing that happens is to make it easier for us, we will add to what we've heard from God to make it potentially in our perception easier. He said, you shouldn't eat of the tree. And she said, you're not supposed to even touch it. That isn't what God said. Go back and look at Genesis chapter two. He didn't, he didn't tell him not to touch it. He said, don't eat it. And he said, don't even touch it. She did. And you can't blame the woman. We'll get to that in just a second. Verse number four, the serpent comes in and says, nope, what God said to you isn't true. In fact, he's withholding from you. Verse number uh, four, the serpent said to the woman, you will not die for God knows in verse five. And this is where the enemy or society will tell you how much you're missing and you're missing out on something. And you will literally exchange your created identity through the deception of missing something. So I have to be a different person because the devil said, I'm missing something. I talked a little bit in Sunday school this morning about the hairdos and things that my grandson has. And everybody has the same hairdo. And I got stopped by an individual in our church who um, <coughs> went to high school a few years ago, shall we say. And uh, um, he has pictures when his hair in the, what would that be, the 60s maybe. You know, early 60s where he did that with his hair and had a little ledge of hair that came out like that. And it was so cool. Well, now... You know, 40, 
60 years later, the fad is back. See? <laughs> it's still not cool. Oh, you're not cool today. It was Terry. I wasn't going to throw him under the bus, but, but uh, there you go. Terry's the one, and, and so I'm hoping to get a picture from him um, when, when he, he actually had to tease his hair like a woman does in the front to get it to do that. And I'm thinking, wow, that is awesome. You admitted that in church. Bless your heart. <laughs> Whenever the society or the enemy comes at us and says we're missing something, he will almost always say God doesn't know what he's talking about. I will tell you that throughout history, society, in a self-serving way, has told young people to dress in such a way that it can create difficulties for them in their future. Well, thank you for your enthusiasm. Sometimes I just look at people and think they must have a twin wearing another half of their clothes. God knows in the day that you... that, that, that You'll be like him. I was already like him. I was already like him. So Adam and Eve were deceived to, to, to want what they already had. Do you see it? See, there's so many times we're going through this in the area of healing. And people say, well, you know, you know, you got to do this. No, you don't. For God not to heal, he has to ignore the sacrifice of Jesus. You say, well, yeah, but shouldn't we? Yes, we probably should. But it's not based on that. There's a deception that goes on. For us to be prosperous, we have to make sure and do all these things. No, we don't. We just need to see that God sent Jesus to become rich and then made him poor. For six hours, Jesus was poor. Six hours on the cross, Jesus was poor for you. If, you. if you'll get that, you'll say, you mean to tell me, Pastor, that God wants to provide for me? Yes, but when your desire is yourself, it won't work. It won't work. So let's get into this. My thinking heart. Adam and Eve enjoyed perfect freedom in the garden. Not because of what was withheld from them, but specifically because of the boundaries. They had perfect freedom. God walked around and talked with them. Every day. I'm just thinking, this is pretty good. I'm going to go where, where God shows up and just hang out, wait for him to show up again, because I got questions. Can you imagine if Adam and Eve were like us? And let's just say that before they sinned, they had a couple of months together in the garden. I don't know what they had. It doesn't really make any difference. But I'm telling you, in two months, Adam had questions. Adam could have went up to God and said, Okay, God, now I know that you did this, and I know that I was pretty impressed with it initially. But what in the world is going on with this woman you gave me? She's thinking way different than me. I can't even get my mind around how she's thinking. And then Eve, she'd do the same thing. She'd wait for God to show up and she'd go, um, I know that this was your plan and, and all of that, but holy buckets, what were you thinking? Right? And, and <clears throat> because just naturally, right? We're just hanging out together. Because Eve had to get that. You shouldn't even touch it from somebody. Either she made it up or Adam told it to her. I always go with Adam told it to her. So that Adam could make more important the person that he didn't always trust. 
That's normal for marriage, right? Sorry. If you go to Neil and Peggy's deal, you'll learn how not to do that. They'll teach you that. They'll teach you about the purpose, the unity that God designs in marriage where you can walk together in perfect harmony. Quit beating each other up with your words. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm chapter 37. And let's just read verse number 4, where it says, Psalms 37 and 4, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you, he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, many times, this part of us called our heart does some thinking. And our heart comes up with these desires. But here's something that I want you to figure out in all of this. When it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires, your desire has to align itself with the delighting that's taking place in the Lord. See, oftentimes our desires aren't being delighted for in the Lord. They're being delighted for in the world. We would be delighted in the world if God would do these things, not in the Lord. So you see, what's behind our desire and what it aligns with is extraordinarily important. When your heart doesn't think right, it will cause its delight to be misfocused and will delight in the world. How many of you will just admit, don't raise your hands, this will be embarrassing, but how many of you would just admit that you would be delighted if the world was different? Do you see what I'm talking about? I mean, the world's crazy. They're not like us. And we know people would be happier. In fact, I'll just put it in first person. The world would be happier if they were like me. I'm happy. I'm a happy dude. I'm happy with myself. I'm happy with my relationship with God. I'm happy with the church. I'm just happy, happy, happy. Now, you say, you always happy? Yeah, because the joy of the Lord is my strength. If you get joy, it'll make you happy. Because you'll be strong. You won't limp through your problems. And your delight will be in the Lord and your desires will align themselves with that. But our delight has been in circumstantial or, or, or planned outcomes. We've delighted ourselves in planned outcomes. How many of you, again, don't raise your hands. Just think out loud. How many of you have ever prayed for a child or a grandchild or a close loved one or something and each time you pray and again don't raise your hand you're probably sitting by them you know each time you pray it seems like they end up kind of taking a left turn and going the other direction and you say to God God I'm praying for them and they're going the wrong way are you not paying attention we do this all the time what do we want to do we want to control them You say, but if we don't control them, they'll go their own way. No, it's like the kid who brings their toys to their dad to be fixed. But they won't ever let go of the toy and they're always in the way of the dad. And the kid says, dad, you didn't fix my toy. And he said, I couldn't, you couldn't get out of the way. It's what we do with our problems with people. We take them to God, but we offer our help. And we stay in God's way continually. And then we say to God, you didn't fix them. He said, I can't. You were always in the way. I'm telling you, there's an abandonment that happens when you trust God. Because your delight is in Him. Therefore, your desires align with your, with your delight. You've got to figure this out, people of God. Or when your desires align with the world, you will be consistently disappointed. The world is here to make a mess of stuff. I'm just telling you, you'll be disappointed continually. So it literally means to delight. It means to be, to be delicate 
It means to be pampering. It means to take delight. It's used of being fastidious, fastidious, fastidious. I don't know what. I was going to bring my machine out here and, and throw it up on there so you could see it, but I wanted to keep time down. I don't know why. Hundred, you know, hundreds of dollars worth of software, and they can't use a word that I know what it means. I had to look it up. Very attentive to and concerned about accuracy and detail. He says, delight yourself. He said, be concerned about every detail, every bit of this of accuracy. He said, delight yourself and your desires. You're asking your requests. Well, again, your requests come from your thinking heart. If you're delighting in the Lord, that request will align itself with your delighting. If you're delighting in the world, your request will align itself with that. Amen. If you're aligning yourself with the world, you'll actually receive embarrassment based on how that person acts when you pray for them. And you'll say, oh, the world, the people, oh, they just, they look at our kids, our grandkids, our, our, our whoever or whatever, and they're just such knuckleheads, and, and everybody's thinking bad about them. See, your delight's in the world. You want the world to like your kids rather than delighting in the Lord and seeing what God is doing in your children. I'm telling you, I've walked this. You guys watched Tracy and I walk through some really painful things with our own children. We lived out loud in front of you. And we had to learn how to delight ourselves in the Lord rather than in the world. Because there were times where I just wanted to hide. I never will forget when we were coming back from a mission. You know, we were, we were sacrificing for Jesus on the mission field. Turned my phone back on in Houston or Dallas or somewhere and got the worst message in the world. Hey, we didn't want you to be aware, you know, to be shocked by this when you got home. But your son was arrested. Wow, what will people think? The pastor's son was arrested. This is terrible. What are we going to do? And immediately God spoke to us and he says, you're going to trust me. and You're going to live out loud. It was hard to do. But we had to align our desires with our delighting in the Lord. God, you're going to bring us through this. We know you're going to bring us through this. We're doing the same thing right now. We're delighting in the Lord. We're not, we're not ignorant to what's going on in our life. Man, you can hear all kinds of crazy reports if you want to listen to them. But sometimes you just need to tell the world to shut up. I've got all the information I need. Just shut up. You say, well, that's not very nice. Well, then keep listening. You keep listening, and all of a sudden, your desire will be what they have. And I just want to tell you something. It's hard to have faith when you're planning a funeral. You've got to stand in faith, people of God. And say, you know what? I'm going to delight myself in the Lord. And it doesn't make any difference what happens at the end of this. I'm not in control. God, you are. <laughs> Amen. Many of us, put this quote up, would you please? Many of us expect our desires to come to pass without examining where they are aligned. Many of us expect our desires to come to pass without examining where they're aligned. If you are the only person who's blessed... When your prayers are answered, your design, your desires are aligned improperly. Now, I know this is crazy because people will say it sounds like greed. It sounds like you're over the top. But you ought to pray in your finances that you have more than enough so that you can give to other people. 
You ought to pray that health flows out of you, that words of encouragement flow out of you to bless other people. God, give me more than I can handle so I can trust you with it. But we don't do that. Many of us expect our desires to come to pass without examining where they're aligned. Let me show you how to test their alignment. Turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of James. James, please. Look with me, if you will, at the 12th and following verses. Now remember, we're talking about our thinking heart, where those desires come from. Desires are not intellectual things because you can't convince yourself to want something that you don't want, right? I mean, my, my sister-in-law is a drinker of kabucha. Now, I don't know if you've ever drank any of that swamp water, but that is the nastiest stuff on the planet. And every time she tries to give me some of that. And then, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of pretty looking. It comes in all different kinds of colors. But man, it, it just smells like rotten vinegar. And you drink it and you're just going, dear God, who would do this? And then they say this. This is supposed to make it really good. It's good for you. So are brownies. I mean, come on. I mean, brownies have all the good health food groups in it. Amen. Let's have some brownies. They taste good. If it doesn't taste, you can't make yourself want it. You say, no, I can't. I can't. No, you you still don't like it. You drink it because you've been convinced by perception that it's good for you. You all love me still. I'm just telling you right now. Nope. God told me to drink that stuff. No, I don't think so. See, you just need an excuse for why we keep teasing you. God told me to do that. If your desires are aligned with God, forgive me, it won't be about kabucha. God doesn't have an opinion, doesn't care. Put whatever you want in there. It's okay. You say, you can't just put whatever you want in there. You can, just not healthy in some spots. You ought to think that through. And you ought to ask God how much of it you should have. Right? I can ask God, how many brownies can I have? The first one I hear is normally not his answer. It's my answer. Right? I sample the brownies and then I have a piece of brownie. And then if there's any left, I have another one for seconds because God obviously was gracious unto me and left some in the pan. You do that too. Don't laugh at me going, oh, nobody, I don't know anybody who does it. Yeah, you do it too. Your desires are largely human made. But look what happens. Let me show you how this works. Blessed is the man, this is verse 12, who endures temptation. It literally means to persevere under adversity. Endures temptation. For when he has been approved, tried, tested like gold in a furnace. Listen, when the heat gets turned up and you complain about the heat, you've missed the end result, which is the shiny gold. When the heat gets turned up and you complain, you've missed the result of the shiny gold. It's just too hot. Nope, that's what God is doing. He's trying you. He's proving you. He's literally proofing you. He's raising the carrot content of you as gold in his sight. He will receive the crown of life. What's the focus of this verse? Most everybody will get the temptation part and they'll look at that and they'll completely miss receive the crown of life. Did you know five times in the New Testament God promises us a crown? 
But you didn't know that. There's a soul winner's crown. He says, let me give that to you. Let me just ask you something. What are you going to do with your crown? Even though you didn't know you had one or were getting one, what are you going to do with it? It gives you something to offer on the glassy sea in front of the throne of God. See, this is for this world. This is a recognition, a spiritual recognition. The crown of life is a spiritual recognition. If you endure temptation in the spirit world, you'll be wearing a crown. Who are you wearing the crown for? Nobody, you guys can't see my crown. By the way, I have one. I'm positive I have one. Because I've done this. I'm positive I have. You guys can't see it. Who can see it? Now, Jesus intended to give it, so he intends to see it on us. So it's not a surprise to him. Who else operates in the spirit realm? Oh, the enemy. And he walks up to us and he says, uh oh. He's got a crown. What does that crown represent? Life. If I mess with him, he's going to choose life. Soul winner's crown. If I mess with him, if you, if you rile up somebody wearing a soul winner's crown, you know what they're going to do? Get more people saved. It's spiritual recognition. It's one of the most awesome. I've always wanted to teach this. In fact, Greg and Julie have always wanted me to teach this. We've had this conversation over and over again about these crowns. And, and, and I talked to them about kingdom living as kings. And they go, well, you ought to teach that. And God hadn't released me to, but I just gave you two of them. There are five in the Bible. Wouldn't you like to be recognized in the spirit world to such a degree that the enemy knows what not to mess with you about? Mess with him and he'll choose life. Amen. Verse 13. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. (coughs) Excuse me. For God doesn't tempt anybody. But when each one is tempted, when he is drawn away, underline this on your, when he is drawn away by his own desires. Do you see it? How do we get where we don't want to be? Our desires take us there. Notice it says, and enticed, even when we're smart, in the things of God. It'll draw us away because our perception says, that looks good. That looks good. I don't know where Brad and Kayla at. I don't remember whose wedding I was doing at you guys' house. You remember this story? Your little brother came up to me and said, Pastor Glenn, don't eat off of this side of the cake. I said, well, how co-? his name is Kyle. I said, how come, Kyle? That's where the cat ate. <laughs> Mom just filled it in with frosting. <laughs> That's good to know. Right? <laughs> That's good to know. Why? Because, you see, that's the same cake, and it's really pretty. Right? It's all decorated up, got little roses on it. It's very pretty. I was enticed because of its beauty. But underneath there are cat slubbers. Eat from the other side of the cake. Right? When your desires draw you away, it's enticed. You can put lots of frosting on a cow manure pie and it's still not going to taste good. Right? You can dress it all up and it'll look good and you might move towards it. You might even convince yourself that's got to be good. Or you, this is how we do a sin. I'll just take a little bit off the top. 
Whenever I stay for carrying dinner and somebody's made a cake or something like that, I just hope nobody's watching when I stick my finger in the frosting. I'm not really interested in the cake. I just go out there and taste the frosting. Make a little deal. Because you know who you're going to blame. You're not going to blame the pastor. I mean, now I've told you. But you're going to blame some kid. I'm going to throw every kid under the bus. Them kids, they got their fingers in the frosting all the time, and it's the pastor. I'm enticed. My desire carries me there. Do you see how your thinking heart can take you the wrong direction? And it can be so dressed up that it looks like you ought to go there. See, that's what your heart does. Everybody's heart does that. Notice, here's, here, here it comes now. You ready? Notice it says then, in verse uh, 14, 15, Then when desire has conceived. Do you see it? When desire conceives, it literally becomes pregnant with an outcome. Pregnant with an outcome. Our desires, our heart is the womb of our future. We've got to take care of that or we will not only be trying to be self-controlling and not let God do it, we'll try and control every outcome we're involved in. And it'll make us crazy. When we face the political, the pandemic, and all the other goofiness, many of us just fell into a pile in frustrated anger over what happened. And we hated people. Our, our target was people who didn't vote right. It was flesh and blood. When our desire conceived, it led us to sin. God, forgive us. Forgive our nation for its separation. It's led us to sin. And you can use your normal eyes and you say, well, but the wrong people are in charge. Well, the Bible seems to suggest that God kind of does that. And I don't know what God's doing in that area right this second. But I believe he's got a plan and I'm going to trust his plan. Doesn't mean I'm not going to do my part. It's just I'm not going to be frustrated with flesh and blood. Because when my desire conceives, it produces an outcome. And I'm done being frustrated with stuff I can't control. I just want to tell you, I don't know who's in control of the the weather. But you guys are doing a terrible job. It's colder than I like it. I mean, last month when it was like below zero and the wind was blowing, you people didn't pray enough. I was out in that weather once, once or twice for 10 or 15 seconds. It's cold. I don't get to control that, neither do you. You say, well, I did, I prayed and it didn't come to my house. Okay, well, it was 50 below right next door. I don't know if you got your power bill or your gas bill for this month, but hold on to your hats because you all kept... Your house warm, because that's something you can control. Turn it up, and you got a $300 power bill or $300 gas bill. You say, wow, I've never had a gas bill that high. Who's your source? If God isn't your source, that's a big bill. If God is your source, just tell God he's got bills. He's my source. He's my source. You can let him be your source, or you can complain about how he sources you. Amen. Notice it says there <coughs> that 
when we're drawn away and enticed, desire conceives, it gives birth. Now, I want to tell you something. And I know that there's kids in here, and I'm going to be careful about this. But I'll just tell you that within our understanding and our feelings, conception is more fun than birth. Birth is hard. Birth will cost you something, right? When you, when you look at the women in this church who have given birth to babies, and many of you did this very thing. You had that baby, and, I, and you said, can I have another? I mean, some of you got five, six kids. You said, can I have another? Going, what are you, nuts? You want to do this again? See, when it's of God, conception is a, birth is a blessing. When it's not, it's a curse. What you produce through conception, the end result is what we have to keep our mind on. Right? And when we conceive through desires that aren't aligned with the the light we have in the Lord... We'll actually ask for things that are not in his will, expecting them to happen. They'll conceive in our heart and they'll produce in us a fleshly response and reaction that will cause us to sin. Can you see it? I'm telling you, our country and a good portion of our world has been doing this, mostly based on the pandemic stuff, because people didn't tell us the truth. You say, well, that's right, they didn't tell us the truth. Now I'm mad at them. Okay, that won't help. It won't help to chew people out. It won't help to say. It'll help you to get your eyes on God. And get his perspective. Because when you get his perspective, it'll turn into discernment. And you'll no longer buy into the illusion. You'll no longer buy into the deception. And you'll no longer try to control what's outside of your control. You'll give it to God. What we've always been taught to do. Give it to God. But I'm, I'm just telling you, in the last three years, the church, Big C, has not done a great job of that. Amen? I hope you're getting this. Because if you're getting it, it'll help you in the weeks to come. Because, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> I know Jeremy tries to edit those things out if he can, but I talk too fast. And sometimes I talk right on top of my, right on top of my cough. That's why Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, if you can put it up for them, it might be in your notes. It might not. I don't know what got put up there. It says, watch over your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart with all diligence. Watch over it. it the word literally means like a guard at a prison. It literally means to pay attention to it, that diligence word, greater or in a, in a, in a mightier way than anything else you do. To watch over your heart, for out of its spring literally come the harvest or the results of life. It it can be said this way, that we're using the vigilance that God gives us to do this because out of our heart becomes the issues that cause us to escape from death. To escape from death. Remember, the Bible says choose life. Set before you life and death. We're always choosing life, and out of that come those issues that cause us to escape from death in this life. See, sin will bring you death. Sin will bring you death every time. So when you keep your heart, it keeps you from experiencing the world's planned death. It literally issues forth from you this fountain of life. Isn't that awesome? So keep your heart, people of God. So next week we're going to talk a little bit more. We'll put this heart into a more adverse position. And we'll talk about the power of adversity and how to see it.
Amen? Come on, music team, stand with me, would you please? <coughs> Hallelujah. Father, we come before you today recognizing that your power, that your character, that who you are is what we need most of all. That our perception needs to be mixed with the Holy Spirit so it can become discernment. So that we can walk in accordance with your ways. So that the illusions that are presented to us are not attractive to us. We're not, we're not drawn away by our own desires. That the deception that's offered that we're, that we're missing something is refused. And that we find ourselves, Father, aligning our desires with our delight in you. And we see us, Father, as having a womb of our future in our hearts, producing what comes next. The future is bright. The future is, is, is motivated and filled with the glory of God. Father, we thank you today that we can stand and know that what's being produced in us, the conception of our heart, is in line with who you are in our life. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live. And you can watch sermon slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.